is gonna give me such bad heartburn. Yeah, it is. The, the acidity. Just the acidity alone is going to hurt. What are you it's gonna, doing? It's going to burn when I pee no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> Just peeing out straight orange juice. Fuck me, huh? <laughs> It's just, I feel like I'm trying too hard. So, what's up, fuckers? It's episode 84. Hey. It's me, your boy. I mean. <laughs> it's your boy, Amanda. It's your boy, Christina. <laughs> no, I just had a, I had a flash. That meme where the dude's like, what's up, demons? It's me, your boy. <laughs> Have you seen that meme? Um, is it? Where he's uh, like me talking to my inner demons. Speed. Yeah. That- yeah, he he's so funny. I've just started watching that. They started doing this series called uh, um, um, Too Many Spirits, where they did four episodes, and it was all in one night, and it was a different drink every episode, so they oh. had to drink the whole drink, and by the end, they were, like, drunk, and they talk <laughs> about, like, rate yeah. their listeners' uh, scary stories that they send into them, so there's tell it talking about too many spirits while <laughs> drinking too many spirits nice <laughs> and it's it's pretty funny they're pretty funny but no i just had that flash when i said what's up fuckers and then he's like what's up demons it's me your boy <laughs> it's your boy it's your boy <laughs> your boy all right anyway episode 84 i'm christina that's amanda <laughs> yep what's up back to true crime yep here we are we're back at it and i'm going to be honest with you though Mine, like, it could be true crime, but it's a little bit of more of just, like, a weird happening Mine's gonna history. make really mad and freak you the fuck out, because it gave me chills reading it, so... Oh, good. I definitely um, made a list of things that I stumbled across as I was doing Ookie Spooky Season. So um, did I, and I didn't go off it. I stumbled, I, I stumbled across this one. I stumbled across this one, and I was like, who the fuck's this guy? And I was like, holy shit, that's terrifying. <laughs> reading it um Um, and i think i found my one for next week today so (laughs) so a couple of points monday was linda's birthday hi linda happy birthday happy belated birthday to the best mommy other than susan they are they're tied for best mommy awards tied for best mommy (laughs) i didn't want to say best mommy in the world because susan's the best mommy in the world too (sighs) there's so many best mommies well yeah so to one of the best moms in the world. There you go. <laughs> How can I say this without excluding someone? Um, <laughs> and then yesterday was voting day. Did you fuckers vote? Did you vote? Get out there to the polls. Too late now, but you should have. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so what? So what's up? What? What's with you? What are you? What are, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what are you doing this week? <laughs> wrong with me how do we do this uh how do we start these things how do i start the Um, conversation what's wrong with you so tell me what's wrong with you um i'm i'm a little sad (laughs) good actually i don't really have anything like terrible to talk about we're carving pumpkins after this tonight when they get home from albert lee fun yeah no i have um i got called a fucking cunt this week yes from an absolute stranger it was amazing so i was fucking going to lunch yesterday meanwhile my fucking pelvis was hurting because i listen i got some issues with my bladder i don't know what's going on but it's fine anyway so i'm crabby because that hurts and i'm going to the cafe in town because they got the best fucking grilled cheese sandwiches and they give soup now so they had california milly soup anyway i digress so I'm going there to get my sandwich and my soup. And I want people to leave me the fuck alone. I park across the street. And instead of being an irresponsible asshole like I normally am, I walk up to the corner so I can walk across the crosswalk instead of just crossing the street. And some dude in his big-ass lifted truck that was probably a substitute for his tiny micro penis whips around the corner and almost hits me. And I throw my hands up in the air like, what the fuck, dude? Didn't say anything. Just like was like... What the f- I'm fucking walking here, man. I was just going to say, East Coast, I'm walking here. Yeah, that was the <laughs> gesture that I made. He fucking slams on his brakes, throws it in reverse, comes up to me, rolls down the window, and says, what's your problem, you fat fucking cunt? <laughs> and I started laughing. <laughs> it was the 
fucking guy. Who's this fucking guy? I literally, I had no words because I was just like, you're so fucking mad. You almost hit me, you motherfucker. Why are you calling me names? Like, I like, I just ignore him, like, which is not like me. Normally, I would have been like, who's this fuck? Get out of here. But I was just like, whatever, dude. I don't got time for you. I just want my grilled cheese and my soup. So I like walk around his truck and he's driving down the road, screaming out his window, fucking cunt, you fucking stupid fucking cunt. He yelled at not react react the way that he wanted you to react. No, I was laughing. I was like, you're so fucking mad. You almost hit me. I didn't do anything. Little do you know, I use the word cunt all the time. Doesn't offend me. (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh, you hurt my feelings so bad. Ouch. God. <laughs> Get your tiny like, penis out of my face. Dude, what's wrong? <laughs> you are, are you having a bad day? Rough you day, almost, huh? Because you almost hit me, not the other way around. I'm not sure why you're aggressive right now. Was this like an old man, young man? He was like in his 50s. Like he was fucking old enough to fucking know better, okay? <laughs> <laughs> he was old enough to be like, out of that, I think I'm a tough guy phase. Yeah. Like he's, <laughs> he's going through some shit. Like, dude, go take a nap, eat a Snickers bar, yeah. do something. You're pissed. You're mad. And then the other funny thing that happened today is I keep getting these stupid fucking political text messages. And they're all automated. And I got one today, and it was this big, long thing, and it said, so tell me, are you going to vote for, and then it was, insert the candidate here. Right. And it's the candidate I'm not voting for. So I commented back, fuck no. <laughs> and then the same person, here. I did the same. And then the person commented back, well, I'm sorry to have bothered you. Thank you, and have a wonderful day. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, you're not a robot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't get a response back, but I got a similar thing today that ended with, are you going to vote for so-and-so? And And I was like, "Uh, nah, except I said, nah, dude. And then nothing came back. (laughs) I commented back, fuck no. And the person actually commented back and said, oh, I'm sorry to have bothered you. Thank you for your response. And I was like, oh, so now I'm the asshole. (laughs) Uh, It's fine. It was, see, here's the thing though. Fuck no can be either aggressive or just like, Nah. No, nah. <laughs> fuck no, get out of here, you silly gooser. <laughs> so, all right, you're I'm ready for you. That's to my week. <laughs> piss me off. I, you know, I haven't been called a cunt, so there's that. So, there's that good. It can but I always only get see, worse. <laughs> I'm like, but I only see um Chris and his sons. So, I mean, so if I had been called a cunt, we uh, have, we've had bigger issues. <laughs> I would not be right here right now. <laughs> Have you ever heard of? Well, I'm gonna start my story. Yeah. Have you ever heard of <laughs> Paris Bennett? I don't think so. It is not ringing a bell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Paris Bennett is a diagnosed psychopath, murderer, and a genius with at least an IQ of 141, placing him in the upper extreme range of intellectual intellect or intellectual functioning. Obviously, I am not there. Uh. <laughs> Fuck you. Don't laugh at me. I said nothing. I saw your face. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Keep laughing now because it's about to die in my next sentence. In 2007, Paris Bennett brutally murdered his younger four-year-old sister, Ella, at their home in Abilene, Texas. He was 13 years old at the time of the murder. So a 13-year-old killed his younger sister who was four? Yes. what you just said? Okay. Brutally 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 murdered it's important so dr casey jordan who forensically analyzes paris says his psychopathy can't be cured he will not cannot change he can be managed which is why he's in prison but it will never go away in my opinion he should never get out so on february 4th 2007 uh a 21-year-old hardin simmons university student was babysitting paris and ella at the night of um, during the night, as Charity Lee worked her shift at Buffalo Wild Wings near Abilene. So Charity Lee is their mother. Okay. In a statement she later gave to police, the babysitter recounted taking the kids out for Chinese food and watching the cartoon version of Alice in Wonderland before Ella went to sleep and Paris retired to his room to finish homework. 
sometime around 10 p.m., Paris came downstairs, convinced the babysitter she could go home. She later explained she wasn't really sure what happened. She just knew that all of a sudden it felt like she should be going home. Like she, like he like taught, he like manipulated her into believing that it was time for her to go home. Weird. Uh, It was after that, according to detectives, that Paris grabbed a kitchen knife, walked into the bedroom where Ella was sleeping. He then proceeded to beat, choke, and stab his four-year-old little sister 17 times. What the fuck? An autopsy report noted a cluster of deep stab wounds on Ella's chest, along with numerous cuts to her fingers, wrists, and forearms, indicating she fought back. Okay. There is some discrepancy as to if there was any sexual motivation or if he raped or molested her. But reports that detectives had discovered semen on the bed where they found Ella and inside his shorts, where he was wearing that night. So it could be a few different things, but it is a possibility of sexual assault. Yes. Okay. When Paris then called a friend, spoke with him for around six or seven minutes, hung up, and then called 911 to report the murder. When he called 911, a dispatcher told Paris to move Ella from the bed, which was covered in blood, to the floor to perform CPR. He said the he was very resistant at first, but appeared to later comply with her request. According to the report from one of the detectives who listened to the dispatcher's call, on the call, the dispatcher tells Paris to give Ella 30 chest compressions at a time. On tape, Paris can be heard counting out the compressions. However, the detective who responded to the scene of the crime noted that there was almost no blood on the floor and doubted Paris had even attempted chest compressions. Due to the fact that Ella was lying on her side and the fact that she had stab wounds on her back that would have leaked blood onto the floor during those compressions. So he was just pretending he was doing it. Yes. So, Paris told officers he attacked Ella while in the throes of a vivid hallucination, that he was sleeping next to Ella when he woke to a terrifying scene, a demonic version of his sister engulfed in flames that was laughing manically at him. From their first reports, however, detectives doubted Paris's version of things. One Abilene, Abilene police officer who interviewed Paris the night of the murder wrote in his report, at times during the interview process, Paris would appear as if he were attempting to cry. However, he did not appear to be sincere with these attempts, and at no time did he have tears come to his eyes. I don't like it. Okay. So Charity Lee, Paris and Ella's mother, first believed her son until she received copies of the police reports and saw, saw how much Ella suffered. On her next visit to the juvenile justice center where Paris was being held before his sentencing and transferred to a youth correctional facility, Lee told her son, I know you did this on purpose. I know you're lying. Paris got really quiet. Then there was this whole shift in his demeanor and his face. It was like his, this whole other person took over. He smiled and then started laughing, saying, it took you fucking long enough. <laughs> Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Uh, he grew very violent when asked about the semen detectives had found flipping a table onto her before storming off and punching a wall. Hmm. Okay, so we're just going to pause here for a second because this story gets even fucking weirder. So, okay. Charity Lee, the mother, her life was filled with murder and death. She is both the daughter of a father who was murdered and the child to the mother who is accused of the crime. Oh. She's also the mother of a murderer, murdered daughter to a murdering son. So in the summer of 1980, when Lee was just six years old, Police found the body of her father, Bobby Bennett Jr., in his home outside Atlanta, Georgia, shot several times in the back of the head. Police thought it looked like an execution. Lee's mother, Kyla Bennett, soon became a prime suspect in the murder. Although the couple had been separated for some time, they remarried just 57 hours before the murder during a whirlwind trip to Las Vegas. Lee's mother stood to take over the family's lucrative trucking business if anything happened to Bennett Jr. Mm. Authorities eventually charged Kyla Bennett with hiring a hitman to kill her husband. During the course of the widely covered and sensational trial, prosecutors put the evidence that in the months before her husband's murder, Lee's mother had discussed arranging his killing with a part-time truck driver. However, a jury later acquitted her. Really? So, yes. So, 
By the time Lee was a teenager, she was hooked on heroin. At the age of 17, her mother finally kicked her out. She gave her $100 and told her she could either use it to find help or score and find a place to overdose. Wow. All right. Uh, Lee spent half on drugs and the rest on gas to get halfway across to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, To get to a halfway house, I'm sorry, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. She was clean for about a year when she enrolled at the University of Tennessee. Lee made a deal with herself. If she was still felt terrible and depressed in three months, she would commit suicide by overdosing. About a month before her self-imposed deadline, Lee found out she was pregnant with Paris. All right. So she's saying that Paris, like, saved her life almost. Basically, yeah. So in the years that followed, Lee stayed clean. She lived briefly in Alabama where she met Jonathan Smith and, and had the two had a daughter, Ella. Their relationship soon fizzled, and in 2005, she moved the kids to Dallas to be closer to her mother, who had just been diagnosed with breast cancer. So there's also talk, there's not really any talk of Paris's father, but on the, because I kind of dive deep into Reddit on this one, mm-hmm. um, and there was a lot of talk of him being a schizophren- diagnosed schizophrenic. Mm, so it might be a genetic thing happening too. This, I think, is more of a nature thing than a nurture thing. Mm-hmm. Well, so, it seems like it's kind of from either end. Yeah. There's issues. So that's the case. Um, Lee had been working long nights to get a concert promotions business off the ground when she relapsed on cocaine, something that deeply troubled and affected Paris, who was then 11 years old. Uh, it was about a good six month period where she was back to using. She says she knew she, it had an impact on him. It's the one thing and the huge regret that she wished she could go back and change. She tried moving back in with Ella's father in Alabama, but the relationship again turned sour. Shortly thereafter, they she brought the kids to live with, at her mother's sprawling ranch in Texas. And there things got even more chaotic for the family. So okay. one day while they were still living with her mother, Paris was playing with Ella and another little girl when he broke when he broke a toy they were playing with. When Ella got upset, Lee scolded her son and put him in a timeout. Okay. She'd stepped away for a minute when one of the housekeepers shouted that Paris had grabbed a kitchen knife and bolted out the door. When Lee and her mother finally tracked him down, Paris was waving the knife at them. Her grandmother, His grandmother managed to grab the blade and Lee wrapped her arms around him and he just collapsed into this heap on the floor. We didn't know what was wrong with him. So they admitted him to the Red River Hospital, which was a nearby okay. psychiatric facility. She grew frustrated with the doctors after having them there for a week, claiming that they refused to communicate with her, which led her to believe that they were doing little to assess or treat Paris. Uh, The facility gave Lee some basic discharge papers when she picked up Paris and the family moved west to Abilene for a fresh start. So she'd never read those papers. Mm. It was more than a year later after Paris had murdered Ella that the full file from Red River was entered into Paris's record and Lee read it for the first time. She was shocked shocked to see what the doctors had written. He is obsessed about shooting and killing, homicidal, suicidal ideation. I mean, you would think that if that's the case, that they would have like an actual meeting of some sort. Or do you think maybe she got upset and pissed and was just like, no, just give me the papers. We're done. In reading this whole story, I don't blame the mother. But even after he murdered him, I think she has a... A de- a, she's slightly in denial about what he is. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I she's think like I wouldn't call has- my. She's like I wouldn't call my son a monster. It took me forever to admit that he had any kind of psychopathy. Um, like it's well, she still sure talks she- to him. Like I'll get to that. She's still in communication yeah. with him, even though I'll get to it. But I just well, I, I have a feeling it might have been she didn't hear want to hear what they had to say. Right. Well, point. and I think she also has holds some guilt from like. Oh yeah. Everything that and happened I, throughout his life. Right. So <laughs> that was just, I wanted to get to kind of a background thing with, there's right. a whole lot of weird stuff surrounding this. So, <clears throat> all right, back to Paris. So okay. at first, Paris wasn't vocal inside the youth lockup. He expressed himself only through letters and pictures. Soon enough, he began refusing to follow simple directions. Two months before his sentencing, he punched a peer several times in the face on the basketball court. The boy never fought back. Later that month, he flooded his room and then lunged at staff that responded. Officials scolded him for making demeaning comments to his younger peers. 
while one evaluator wrote that Paris appeared to be a genuine in many of his statements during treatment, when discussing his offenses or murder, he was smiling, and that causes some concern. It's a direct quote. Yeah. Staffers reported numerous times that Paris tried to manipulate them into giving him his mother's address in San Antonio, where she moved shortly after the murder. She does not want him to have it. Well, yeah. Uh, He was evaluated by at least two different forensic psychologists after Ella's murder, and Lee asked a third to review her son's file. One wrote that Paris was at moderate risk for developing psychopathic traits, characteristics, and tendencies, and also wrote, it would appear that Paris has pathological narcissism. Lee claims the psychologist that Paris's defense team hired called her soon after his sentencing because ethically he felt he should know I should know his opinion. She wept when the psychologist told her Paris had all the necessary traits to be labeled a psychopath. The terms sociopath and psychopath are generally used interchangeably, but he actually shows emotion, so he's in the true sense a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Um, a third psychologist suggested that Lee move away from Texas and change her identity before Paris is eligible for parole. Um, so six months after killing Ella, Paris pled true to capital murder and received a 40-year prison sentence. He served the first five years at the Texas Department of Juvenile Justice, Justice's Giddings State School until a Taylor County judge, at the request of his mother, ordered Paris into an adult prison. She just felt that he deserved, he should be in an adult prison. Uh, Bennett is currently age 25 and will be eligible for parole in 2027. Weird. Okay, so... so I'm not done what, yet, but yeah, answer your question. What year um, did this all happen again? 2007. Okay, that's what I thought you said. And then I was like, wait, did I just make that up? <laughs> no. Okay, 2007. We got, you said 27. So yeah. Okay. All right, all right. So, Charity Lee still supports her son as best as she can. She still calls him on the phone regularly and visits as often as she can. Mm-hmm. Lee almost cut ties with Paris twice. The first time was when he filed for emancipation shortly after he was transferred to a youth correctional facility. The second time was when she read a letter Paris wrote to one of his counselors, which Lee calls Paris's manifesto. In it, her son talks about murdering her daughter in vivid, troubling detail and about his deep resentment toward his mother because of her drug use. In it, Paris also talks about his fascination with death and how instead of calling a teacher, a family member, or a friend to talk about his concerns with his mother, he settled on the morbid, is direct quote. Another key motive to my fence, he writes, is I wanted to see someone die. Jeez. Lee went to see Paris shortly after reading the letter. There was a little girl ne- nearby who had come to visit her brother. Their dynamic reminded Lee of Ella and Paris before the murder. She broke down crying and asked Paris why he didn't just kill her. His response was, God damn it, mom, just get over it already. It's been almost two years. People die all the time. Oh my God. Yeah. Jeez. So when she had asked Paris again why he didn't just kill her too, he told her that it would have put her out of her misery, that this way she was going to suffer forever. Okay, so this was semi, I don't know if I would say it for sure is like, like revenge-ish. But I feel like that's a way that he's twisting it to try to make it seem like it's. Well, so Paris, during an interview with, because um, he's he's Pierce, not Pierce Brosnan, that's 007, uh, <laughs> Pierce Morgan. <laughs> um, he's He does the, those, he, oh, he did an interview with him. Yeah. I am a killer. Yeah, but this is like a separate thing for BBC that he did an interview mm-hmm. with him. And in that interview, he uh said that he was admitted he had no wild hallucinations that night that he murdered ella and that he first lied because he was afraid of what the police might do to him he says he was deeply troubled when he found out about his mother's problems with drugs at the time of the murder paris suspected she had again relapsed which she had not or she says she had not paris revealed he initially targeted his mother charity but then murdered his sister as a way of getting to his mom in the harshest way possible He said, for many years, there was just this hot flaming ball of wrath in the pit of my stomach, and it was directed at my mother. And one of the reasons why I chose to kill my sister and not someone else is because I knew that by doing that, I could hurt my mother in the worst way possible. Because I had always known as a child that the most devastating thing to my mother would be the loss of one of her children. And I found a way to make both of her children and take both of her children away in one fell swoop. Wow. He said, yes, I did commit a monstrous crime, but that does that make that one mistake define my entire life? I don't think it does. Yeah. Yeah, it does, man. 
I hate to break it to you, but uh, when you kill a four-year-old and come yeah. in your pants, yeah, more than likely while you do it, yeah, that's what I imagined happened. Mm-hmm. Is that he jizzed in his pants? He said, "Right now, he is most bo- most bothered by his mother using their family story in her ad- advocacy work because she she like supports people who have have family murder, like interfamily crime and families who have yeah. murdered themselves." And she wrote a book. I, and I it, think it's like surrounded by murder or something like that is the title of it because she is. He says, I don't care to have my personal history plastered across newspapers because he knows it could hurt him down the road. Or they think it's because he knows it could hurt him during down the road during the parole process. It's so bad, he, he also says that um, he, is, he, he woke up clear headed that day knowing exactly what he was going to do. So he premeditated easily. Oh, yeah. Um, so he'll first be eligible, like I said, for parole in 2027 after he served half of his sentence. If Paris serves his full 40 year sentence, he'll be 53 year old man when he's released. Um, so that's still like not that old. No, no. So, um, a reporter who had interviewed both Paris or his mother before he was, she was going to visit Paris told Paris something that Lee had said in one of their conversations. And she said that there are two Paris's, the one capable of monstrous things and the one that she loves. And Paris's response was, I don't see it like that because everybody has within them the capacity for violence. And given this, the right set of circumstances, you can act on that capacity. I held grudges. I was passive aggressive. I had poor empathy skills and all that led up to what I did, but there's no clear demarcation between good Paris and bad Paris. There's just Paris. You know, there's a big difference between someone being able to um, defend themselves or the people that they love and killing somebody and mm-hmm. just being mad. So you killed your little sister to get back at your mom. Right. And I have a treat for you. So on Reddit, <laughs> on Reddit <Okay. laughs> in the Reddit hole that I dive down, there is a website that it's basically the pen pal website for any prisoner that you want to find. Oh. And I found his. And oh. are you are you ready to read his it's like a bio. It's like a dating app bio, but for pen pal for prisoners. It's got pictures and everything. Dude, what the fuck? Okay. Are you ready for it? This is his bio. He's such a douchebag. And it's also terrifying. Can you right now Google a Paris picture of Paris Bennett? Aye aye, Captain, I will do so. It's gonna be he's gonna be bald and wearing all white in it. And I want you to just picture that in your mind when I read this to you. Oh boy. You see him? Yeah, he's got got some brows for being as white as he is and as bald as he is. And he's got dead fucking eyes. Yeah, he's just got pits for eyeballs. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So, rolling your eyes at all the shirtless pics, gagging on all the mushy platitudes, seeking someone who can deliver more than a scripted banter. If not, click the next profile because I'm not the pen pal for you. There's a horde of other men on this site ready to bore you with sentimental clichés and clumsy seductions. Have fun. Oh, you're still reading? Good. You may have just met your newest friend. How do I know? You would be considering my words if you were happy with fleeting connections and fickle affection. No, you crave something better. Real letters, not texts and tweets. Memorable conversations, rich with wit and insight. A chance to express yourself without fear of judgment. Since meaningful friendship, that's what you'll have from me. Excuse my arrogance, but I dare say I'm the pen pal you seek. And who am I? Contradictions define me. I'm a man who prefers to befriend women, a prisoner with no tattoos, a metalhead who only wears white, and a pessimist who makes pleasant company. I spent my childhood devouring books and roaming the woods. The sorting hat didn't dither before tossing me into Slytherin. Oh yeah, buddy! (laughs) Sorry, I was trying to hold it together till the end. I I couldn't make it! Okay, I'm sorry. You got a Potterhead, huh? <laughs> I couldn't hold it in. I was trying to. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm ready for the rest. Friends endure my love of cats, sarcasm, and fearsome fiction. Prison has robbed me of the ability to bite my tongue or fear a stranger's disdain. The family I had, which first aired on in- Investigation Discovery, tells you part of my story. You'll have to write me to learn the rest. 
Please note, Texas prisoners can't reply to JPay messages. Be sure to give your address if you use JPay. Also note, Texas prisoners may only receive letters written and printed upon plain white or ruled notebook paper. Colored paper and fancy, fancy stationery aren't permitted. <laughs> he sounds fucking terrible. Also, he sounds like a goddamn psychopath. And also, of course, he loves cats. That underbite, though. <laughs> hey, buddy. How, how you doing? <laughs> Of course he loves cats. He's a fucking sociopath. Psychopath. Uh, and that uh, is the story of Paris Bennett. Uh, He's a fucking straight up Hannibal Lecter motherfucker who doesn't eat people. Like He looks like a fucking skull. Like I know. his head looks like a skull. I know. And he's like a gap tooth bitch. But what I'm like. <laughs> you fucking gap tooth bitch. <laughs> but, gap teeth, that's fine. He's just a killer too and crazy. So, you know. When I was reading it, it gave me chills how, like, psychotic he is. Like, he's straight-up Hannibal Lecter. Like, he talked to a babysitter. Like, smooth. I'm sure, I'm sure it was something like, hey, you know, Ella's sleeping. Um, I'm finishing up my homework. I'll just go to bed. So if you wanted to go, you could go. Mom should be back in, like, whatever amount of time. Right. But I feel like he, it was more than that. Because the way she described it, it was like. It was almost like hypnotic the way that and the way he's been he's able to like even like the psychiatrists and stuff talk. He's definitely like I imagine Hannibal Lecter motherfucker without Applewhite's talk when yeah. he talks to his cult and he's bald and he has that like weird melodic tone to him yeah. where you're like, What? I don't even know what you're saying, but I'm listening to you. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Isn't yeah. that creepy? Yeah. Except his eyes aren't like Apple White's where he's like crazy eyes, like wide crazy eyes, not wide, like crazy eyes. It's uh weird. I had never heard I I mean, like bits of it sounded familiar, but it could also be like different cases that I've heard right. of. It's not like the whole story came together at you know, randomly when I'm like, Oh yeah, I heard about this, like that wow, uh get the fuck out. Get out of here. You Slytherin. <laughs> God. You're not going to slither into my DMs. Get out of here. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. All right. So I'm going to tell you the story of Hisachi Aochi. God bless you. Yes. Um, so like I said earlier, it's not, I mean, it could be true crime just because they didn't follow federal. Did you have um, something in your teeth? No. Oh. The way your light is hitting your teeth, it looks like you got a little something there. I got a little gap. Oh, you gap tooth bitch. Yeah, I got a little gap on the top of my, right here. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it was distracting me. Continue. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so like I said, it's not technically like a true crime as in this is the crime, there's a murder, this is the whole thing. It's a crime because this company that he worked for didn't follow the proper safety protocols and it Ugh. caused some batshit crazy stuff. Fucking OSHA. You gotta, yeah, you gotta, guys. man. Guys. This isn't a Willy Wonka candy factory. You can't just do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> so, um, Aochi uh, was a technician at the JCO Kokomora Power Plant in Japan, okay? Okay. It was like right outside of Tokyo. Uh, in 1999, he had a young son. And from all accounts, he was a very normal person, basically just working for the paycheck. Um, a hard worker, you know, and just, mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things I read said something about like, he smoked a pack of cigarettes a day. So he was just like a normal guy that like, maybe didn't make the best choices, but mm -hmm. was a normal guy. So he had a few of his coworkers. Um, that he worked with regularly and they were charged with creating the fuel for the fast reactor. Um, they called this fast reactor Jojo. Okay. Um, little backstory. So this company had big budget cuts in like 1993. So right now we're talking about 99. Um, and they did their best to cut corners as much as they could to cut the costs of creating the power and they tried to increase productivity, and um, to do so, they kind of uh, put safety on the back burner, we'll say. There's nothing lame about safety, guys. I know, this is what I'm saying. And it seems kind of dumb, considering it's a nuclear power plant, <laughs> to just like, eh, 
There's definitely nothing lame about safety. Yeah, especially in that setting. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Um, So they had actually called what they called, had what they called uh, in-house rules and the shadow guide. Uh, It was very much different than what the government had put into place for safety protocol when it comes to nuclear testing and nuclear power. Oh, no. So basically, anybody in this plant knew about the shadow guide, but then also knew that, like, if there were government, like, officials coming into the place, how to answer the appropriate questions. It was one of those things where... Uh. Where they just, they knew the right stuff, but they didn't follow it because the company didn't follow it and they needed, basically needed the paycheck, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so on September 30th of 1999, Aochi was creating the fuel for the fast reactor, um, which he did on a regular basis. Uh, and at some point he was leaning over this like large vat, like metal tank, Right. And he was holding a funnel while another one of his coworkers was pouring a solution into this funnel to be added to the, what was already in the tank. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the tank that they were using because of the shadow guide was not actually the appropriate material to handle the amount of radioactivity that the materials they were mixing together would create. Oh no. Um, so as the two men are creating this mixture, Something went wrong, whether it just, like, mixed at a different rate, something. Like, it's such a tricky subject, Mm -hmm. um, the nuclear stuff. And it's, like, something went wrong that didn't go wrong any other day. And criticality happened, which is critical mass. Mm -hmm. Um, Setting off a nuclear reaction. Which you don't want to happen. Correct. (laughs) Uh, Correct. (laughs) The witnesses... (laughs) <laughs> the witnesses even like that were further away described seeing a big like huge blue flash mm. and a huge bang and basically what they saw was the radiation exploding out of this oh, God. but because it was radiation and not an actual explosion there was no fire no burns no nothing it was just the radioactive material burst um Remember, Aochi was the one that was hanging over the tank. And so the radiation literally, like, blew through him. Oh, no. Um, And when rescue people got there, Aochi was actually, like, vomiting, super dizzy. But he didn't really have any physical wounds other than what looked like sunburns on his arms. Oh, shit. Where he got the most. Yeah. Um, Basically, since it was just a burst of radiation, there was no, like, burns on him or any sort of, like, physical. He didn't have any protective gear on at all? Um, as much as, even if he did, he was exposed to 17 sieverts of radiation, which is the highest level of radiation anybody's been in contact with ever. Oh, no. Um, and so they were not, the protective gear is great. But it's not made to even handle that much. It's supposed to be just, like, residual radiation, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So I don't know how much, like, protective gear he had on or anything, but that's how much he was exposed to was the 17 Sieverts. And he was airlifted once they got there and brought to the hospital. It was, like, the University of Tokyo Hospital. So he's just spreading radiation around all these people? Um... In a sense, I don't know how they went about everything because all the stories that I had, it was like he got airy lifted and he went to the hospital, but they didn't talk about like any of the residual radiation that was like on him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he went to the hospital and honestly, the doctors were astonished with like how great he was doing at first. Are you going to tell me he turns into a superhero? Because that'd be cool. That would be cool, but he doesn't. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so the first couple days, he seems fine. Mm-hmm. Like, he seems just fine. He's a little, like, nauseous and whatever. Um, and the only thing that they could see was that, like, kind of looked like sunburn on his arms. He was happy and joking and talking to them about how, what he was going to do when he got home and how crazy it is that all this happened. Um, but Aochi, in reality, for all intents and purpose, was dead. 
had <laughs> died when the radiation hit him. Um, he's he was in what was called like walking ghost mode. Um, what mode phase? Mm-hmm. Basically, what happens is the radiation obliterated his chromosomes, <gasps> so his blueprint for his cells to be recreated was gone. <gasps> so he couldn't recreate any other cells. So he literally was like a walking corpse. He was uh, oh, that's dying so as he was alive. Yeah, it was. I it's wild. I just that's so creepy. That's why I had to share it when I found it. I'm like, I don't know if this is technically like true crime, true crime, but very interesting. Um, once this was discovered, the doctors told Aochi about what was happening in his body and he basically just didn't believe them because he felt fine. And he was just like, it's been days and I feel okay. So I feel like it's not as bad as you're saying it is. The most he was concerned about was getting cancer later in life because, you know, that's what you hear with radiation Mm -hmm. and being exposed to all that. Um, and that was it. But three weeks after his accident happened, his intestines began to hemorrhage. Mm. Um, His skin straight up fell off. Oh, oh no. Oh, not like little bits, not like little lacerations opening. And like, you know, when um, you start having like, what is it called? Um, in the Bible, they sent them to a leprosy, leprosy. When you have like, it like starts as open wounds yeah. and then it like starts to burn. No, all of his skin sloughed off of his bones and his muscles. So, um, I just grosses me out. Like, not like, like thick pieces of it. Like it was just coming off because <gasps> your skin is what regenerates the most in your body oh yeah and, it and was, since oh. he couldn't regenerate it his skin was straight up just coming off there was no recreating it um uh, uh, that grosses me out so they attempted to so he's like, like a zombie yeah oh fucking uh, no so they attempted to do skin grafts um, on him to try to keep the moisture and his bodily fluids in and keep bacteria out of, like, the open muscle tissue that was showing now. Oh. Um, but none of them worked because, again, his body wasn't creating cells in order to take the grafts. So he had to be basically just wrapped in gauze, which made him look like a mummy. Oh, um, my God. He's a fucking zombie. Yeah. So... Then November 27th, which was about two He was months. melting. Yeah. Gross. Um, about two months after his accident, he was still alive. Oh, God. Um, but his pain was so bad that they put him into a medically induced coma because he wasn't going into a coma on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, and his heart would stop while he was in the coma. And they would... They would bring him back. Why? Um, I don't know. They did this three times. And I guess on that last time, he was just like, he begged the doctors to just stop and leave him alone. He didn't care if he was alive anymore. Just basically just leave. Right. Like, don't even just pay stop touching to me. Right. Let me die. I'm done. But this is another part where it's like questionable, true crimey type of stuff. The medical staff didn't respect his wishes at <gasps> first. They continued to um, try to keep him alive all that they could. They didn't technically um, bring him back from death basically after that. But um, there had just never been such a case like this where there was that much exposure to radiation. They're trying to study him. Yes. For science. No motherfucker. Oh God. Yeah. So this, it's a really fast story because I'm just about done, but near the end while Aochi was still able to speak, He repeatedly kept saying, I'm not a guinea pig. I'm not a guinea pig. Like at the doctors, like I'm not here for you to experiment on this. Like I'm a real human. Um, And shortly after he passed away. Oh, sorry. Shortly after this, like when he was saying that he lost his ability to talk and he passed away and it was 83 days of this torture of being alive. Oh my God. And not being alive at the same time. Um, There's a lot of photos that are connected to this that you can look up um, if you want to. Uh, There's a couple where he's like wrapped and bandaged. Mm. And um, you can see a couple where 
because I looked him up. Um, you can see a couple where nasty <laughs> where where he's not bandaged, and you can see like how his skin is falling off. Um, there's also a couple where it's like right when he gets to the hospital and he just looks normal, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like if you oh. look at him, knowing that he's like for all if you put everything into like this little ball, like he's dead. Mm-hmm. You're looking at a dead person who's still alive. That's just such a weird concept to me. And I totally get it, but it also like creeps me out. Don't like that. Mm-mm. But yeah, that's the random ass story that I found. So what happened to the I company? To call. Um, I don't know. I'm assuming there were like lawsuits and things, but I didn't hear anything like read anything about it. It basically just like ended with his story. Um, but it's also in Japan. Mm -hmm. So things are not as like open about those sort of things as they are like around the U S. So I'm sure even if I looked into it, there wouldn't be too many details on anything. Um, but yeah, so that was you want to look it up no i don't want to see it it'll make me vomit but yeah i don't like that no thank you i was gonna see a good story don't like that yeah no i didn't even like dig into what happened to the company afterwards because i was so like just flabbergasted i guess for a lack of better words on the whole situation that happened there like with his medical stuff right um but yeah it was one of those things that I happened upon some like Halloween article somewhere, you know, talking about crazy things that happened and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, whoa, let's look at that. I don't like that at all. Yeah. You did yeah. good, kid. Thanks. Um, Next week, I have more of a like straight up true crime thing that I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do next week. I just happened to hear a name on a... um youtube video that i was watching and it wasn't even about him it was like they thought it was this guy but it wasn't this is what they found in this backyard and i was like who this guy know <laughs> so now i want to look into it <laughs> but yeah that's it good job that's all Thanks. she wrote i uh decided to look at my dating profile and see if i got any special messages i got one. Oh yeah it says hey i think you're cute i want to be inside you <laughs> Well, that turned quick. (laughs) Hey, I think you're cute. I want to be inside you. I'm sorry, sir. What? No, no, thank you. (laughs) What the fuck? What is wrong with people? Oh, God. I want to be inside you. Hey, I think you raised you. I want to be inside you. Get out of here. Shoo, scat. Shoo. I still can't believe that guy called you a cunt. Is that the story you were going to tell me? No, the story that I said was going to make you mad was the was my story. Uh, oh, I I forgot you said it was going to make me mad. I just remember the do I have a story for you text uh, yeah, and then I was bo- followed up. It was a fucking cunt and he threw a fat in there at another point. I was like, well, that was... <laughs> You you seem really upset about right. almost hitting me with your vehicle. <laughs> I know. I don't know why you're so mad at me. I didn't fucking do anything, you dick. You're so aggressive. <laughs> All right, guys. What's wrong with people? Well, use the crosswalk. Despite my... I'm never using the crosswalk again. <laughs> Turns out, shit. <laughs> you get called a fucking cunt when you use that. <laughs> I can't believe it. Like, what the fuck? What's wrong with you? Uh, everybody's so like high stress right now between the motherfucking election, having no social time. It and it's a full moon on Saturday, so I'm sure people are being weird because of that too. I just wanted my grilled cheese and soup. Just trying to cross the motherfucking road <laughs> without being called a fucking cunt. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> you fucking fuck. You fucking shit jerk. Get out of here. You're just a shit jerk, man. Just a shit, just a shit jerk. Just a shit jerk ass fucker. (laughs) You're a shit jerk ass fucker. (laughs) Oh, the heat. It never never gets old. It's such a great movie. Fuck, man. We gotta close this up. We're just talking. All right. Well, hey, thanks for, uh, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thanks. Hope hey, you're having a, 
Thanks. <laughs> I hope you're having a fantastic beginning of your November. Um, uh, please follow, like, like, listen, share, comment, all those fun things that get us people that hear us that haven't heard us. Also known as listeners. <laughs> Bingo. Yeah, uh, people throw- that uh, hear us <laughs> <laughs> that, that haven't listened to us. You know, new listeners. <laughs> hey. Shut it, homie. Hey, hey quiet. <laughs> you fucking cunt. <laughs> Don't punch your microphone. <laughs> You're so mad. <laughs> That's, I, I'm, I have that reaction when people get really mad about things that you shouldn't be getting mad about. It makes me laugh because you're so fucking mad. <laughs> you're so fucking mad right now. There's no need for it. Dude, that was my other funny story. So I walk in the door. I've got my purse. I've got my bag of shit that was just delivered that I bought. And my mom just goes on this rampage. I was expecting to hear a fucking domestic dispute upstairs while I was recording. She was like, I asked your father to clean this fucking kitchen up all day. And instead, he comes home and takes a nap. And then he wakes up from his nap and goes, I think I'm going to take my bus to the bus washing. Wash my bus. And washes his fucking bus. Instead of doing the, like, Linda doesn't swear. And she was so mad. <laughs> So I'm like, I go out to my car to get something and dad pulls in the driveway and I was like, you're in trouble. <laughs> Good luck in there, guy. <laughs> He's like, I was going to do it. And I'm like, you had all fucking day, Thomas. <laughs> She's not happy. <laughs> I was like, you're in trouble. <laughs> He's like, what am I not in trouble? <laughs> I'm like, that's a good point. You're always in trouble. <laughs> Maybe if you just do what you're told. Yeah, Thomas. <laughs> Fucking Tom Tom. I love him. Oh, gosh. All right. All right. Well, that was See another people. sidebar story. We've already done our closing, but you got to hear that, too. Sorry. Yeah, here we are. Uh, well, spread the word. And spread yourselves. But not on... Wait. Oh, like a turkey. I was trying to think like of something. <laughs> spread yourself like a turkey that's about to get stuffed. Spread... <laughs> That'd be really good for closer to Thanksgiving. I know. We could spread some fucking apple butter or spread oh. some, I'm trying to think some spread fucking some, fall shit. Spread some apple cinnamon butter all over your own biscuit. All over your biscuits. All over your biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking Bye, no. guys. Okay, bye. <laughs>